Chapter One of The Gloved Hand by Burton E. Stevenson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Gloved Hand by Burton E. Stevenson. Chapter One The Falling Star i was genuinely tired when i got back to the office that wednesday afternoon for it had been a trying day the last of the series of trying days which had marked the progress of the minturn case and my feeling of depression was increased by the fact that our victory had not been nearly so complete as i had hoped it would be besides there was the heat always during the past ten days there had been the heat unprecedented for june with the thermometer climbing higher and higher and breaking a new record every day as i threw off coat and hat and dropped into the chair before my desk i could see the heat waves quivering up past the open windows from the fiery street below i turned away and closed my eyes and tried to evoke a vision of white surf falling upon the beach of tall trees swaying in the breeze of a brook dropping gently between green banks fountains that frisk and sprinkle the moss they overspill pools that the breezes crinkle and then i stopped for the door had opened i unclosed my eyes to see the office boy gazing at me in astonishment he was a well-trained boy and recovered himself in an instant your mail sir he said laid it at my elbow and went out i turned to the letters with an interest the reverse of lively the words of henley's ballade were still running through my head veil lily and periwinkle whetstone crop on the sill the look of leaves a twinkle with windlets again i stopped for again the door opened and again the office boy appeared mr godfrey sir he said and close upon the words jim godfrey entered looking as fresh and cool and invigorating as the fountains and brooks and pools i had been thinking of how do you do it godfrey i asked as he sat down do what keep so fit by getting a good sleep every night do you i groaned as i thought of the inferno i called my bedroom i haven't really slept for a week i said well you're going to sleep tonight. that's the reason i'm here i saw you in court this afternoon one glance was enough yes i assented one glance would be but what's the proposition i'm staying at a little place i've leased for the summer up on the far edge of the bronx i'm going to take you up with me tonight, and i'm going to keep you there till monday that will give you five nights sleep and four days rest don't you think you deserve it yes i agreed with conviction i do and i cast my mind rapidly over the affairs of the office with the minturn case ended there was really no reason why i should not take a few days off you'll come then said godfrey who had been following my thoughts don't be afraid he added seeing that i still hesitated you won't find it dull i looked at him for he was smiling slightly and his eyes were very bright won't i no he said for i've discovered certain phenomena in the neighbourhood which i think will interest you when godfrey spoke in that tone he could mean only one thing and my last vestige of hesitation vanished all right i said i'll come good i'll call for you at the marathon about ten-thirty that's the earliest i can get away and in another moment he was gone so was my fatigue and i turned with a zest to my letters and to the arrangements necessary for a three days absence then i went up to my rooms 
put a few things into a suitcase got into fresh clothes mounted to the astor roof garden for dinner and a little after ten was back again at the marathon i had higgins bring my luggage down and sat down in the entrance porch to wait for godfrey just across the street gleamed the lights of the police station where he and i had had more than one adventure for godfrey was the principal police reporter of the record it was to him that journal owed those brilliant and glowing columns in which the latest mystery was described and dissected in a way which was a joy alike to the intellect and to the artistic instinct for the editorial policy of the record for its attitude toward politics wall street the trusts society i had only aversion and disgust but whenever the town was shaken with a great criminal mystery i never missed an issue godfrey and i had been thrown together first in the holiday case and that was the beginning of a friendship which had strengthened with the years then came his brilliant work in solving the marathon mystery in which i had also become involved i had appealed to him for help in connection with that affair at elizabeth and he had cleared up the remarkable circumstances surrounding the death of my friend philip von Tien in the affair of the boule cabinet so i had come to turn to him instinctively whenever i found myself confronting one of those intricate problems which every lawyer has sometimes to untangle reciprocally godfrey sometimes sought my assistance but of course it was only with a very few of his cases that i had any personal connection the others i had to be content to follow as the general public did in the columns of the record certain that it would be the first to reach the goal godfrey had a peculiar advantage over the other police reporters in that he had himself years before been a member of the detective force and had very carefully fostered and extended the friendships made at that time he was looking on rather as an insider and he was always scrupulously careful to give the members of the force every bit of credit they deserved sometimes considerably more than they deserved in consequence he had the entree at times when other reporters were rigorously barred it was nearly eleven o'clock before godfrey arrived that evening but i was neither surprised nor impatient i knew how many and unexpected were the demands upon his time and i always found a lively interest in watching the comings and goings at the station across the way where alas the entrances far exceeded the exits but finally a car swung in from the avenue at a speed that drew my eyes and i saw that godfrey was driving it jump in he said pushing out his clutch and pausing at the curb and as i grabbed my suitcase and sprang to the seat beside him he let the clutch in again and we were off no time to lose he added as he charged into high and turned up seventh avenue at the park he turned westward to the circle and then northward again out amsterdam avenue there was little traffic and we were soon skimming along at a speed which made me watch the cross streets fearfully in a few minutes we were across the harlem and running northward along the uninteresting streets beyond at this moment it occurred to me that godfrey was behaving singularly as though he were hastening to keep an appointment but i judged it best not to distract his attention from the street before us and restrained the question which rose to my lips at last the built-up portion of the town was left behind we passed little houses and little yards then meadows and gardens and strips of woodland with a house only here and there we were no longer on a paved street but on a macadam road a road apparently little used for our lamps sending long streamers of light ahead of us disclosed far empty stretches without vehicle of any kind there was no moon and the stars were half obscured by a haze of cloud while along the horizon to the west i caught the occasional glow of distant lightning 
and then the sky was suddenly blotted out and i saw that we were running along an avenue of lofty trees the road at the left was bordered by a high stone wall evidently the boundary of an important estate we were soon past this and i felt the speed of the car slacken hold tight said godfrey turning sharply through an open gateway and brought the car to a stop then snatching out his watch he leaned forward and held it in the glare of the side lamp five minutes to twelve he said we can just make it come on lester he sprang from the car and i followed realizing that this was no time for questions this way he said and held out a hand to me or i should have lost him in the darkness we were in a grove of lofty trees and at the foot of one of these godfrey paused up with you he added and don't lose any time and he placed my hand upon the rung of a ladder too amazed to open my lips i obeyed the ladder was a long one and as i went up and up i could feel godfrey mounting after me i am not expert at climbing ladders even by daylight and my progress was not rapid enough to suit my companion for he kept urging me on but at last with a breath of relief i felt that i had reached the top what now i asked do you see that big straight limb running out to your right yes i said for my eyes were growing accustomed to the darkness sit down on it and hold on to the ladder i did so somewhat gingerly and in a minute godfrey was beside me now he said in a voice low and tense with excitement look out straight ahead and remember to hold on to the ladder i could see the hazy mist of the open sky and from the fitful light along the horizon i knew that we were looking toward the west below me was a mass of confused shadows which i took for clumps of shrubbery then i felt godfrey's hand close upon my arm look he said for an instant i saw nothing then my eyes caught what seemed to be a new star in the heavens a star bright sharp steel blue why it's moving i cried he answered with a pressure of the fingers the star was indeed moving not rising not drifting with the breeze but descending descending slowly slowly i watched it with parted lips leaning forward my eyes straining at the falling light falling is not the word nor is drifting it did not fall and it did not drift it deliberately descended in a straight line at a regular speed calmly and evenly as though animated by some definite purpose lower and lower it sank then it seemed to pause to hover in the air and the next instant it burst into a shower of sparks and vanished and those sparks fell upon the shoulders of two white-robed figures standing apparently in space their arms rigidly extended their faces raised towards the heavens end of chapter one read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com